This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast, sponsored by Bemidji State University and Northwest Technical College. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast is also sponsored by Visit Bemidji and Grant Haven Campground. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's Playground. When planning your trip up north, plan to park your RV or camper at the spacious Grand Haven RV Campground in Bemidji. You'll be in the perfect area to ride ATV, fish, hunt, and hike. With free parking for your boats and trailers and located just off Highway 2 west of Bemidji, Grand Haven Campground is the center point for your next Northland adventure. Fish hundreds of surrounding lakes and cruising the miles and miles of the ATV trails northern Minnesota has to offer. Visit GrandHavenCampground.com and book your stay today. The countdown continues to the opener less than a week to go, and today we put the spotlight on the Park Rapids Heartland Lakes fishing scene. Wade Misher, the new Park Rapids Area Fishery Supervisor, joins us. Plus, Dick Beardsley's in to talk about the opener as well. And we've got another Fast Five with him. It's all coming up on Fish in Paul Bunyan Country. This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored in part by Bemidji State University. You can pursue your passions with a world-class education in the heart of Minnesota's Northwoods. The drive to acquire deeper knowledge and develop greater wisdom is already in your nature. So join us on the shores of Lake Bemidji. Minnesota's premier Northwoods University can help you make the world a better place than you found it. Learn more at BemidjiState.edu and schedule a tour today. BemidjiState.edu Dick Beardsley of Dick Beardsley Guide Services back in the house. Dick, welcome back. Yeah, it's always good to be on with you, and especially now, you know, uh, I can feel the excitement in the air. The fishing opener is, what, a little over a week away, and... Um, Wow, it's uh, it's getting close. It is indeed. We always like to have you on uh, before the opener because you're always enthused about it, for one thing. But it's always weird because we're getting ready for the Minnesota opener. We're going to talk about that. But we always end up talking about South Dakota fishing. Right. Because that's kind of your first soft water action of the year. You always head over there before the Minnesota opener. Yeah, I do. I've been over there, I think, five times now. Started going on early March. Did a few guide trips out there then. And uh, we were fishing near the Chamberlain, South Dakota, which is on the north end of Lake Francis Case, part of the Missouri River system. And now um, I just got back. I took my little buddy Brady Loudon, who's, you know, is I've got part of my guide service with, you know, he's joined that now. And uh, so we were out there last week, and um, we had a really good time. Caught, you know, caught a lot of fish, rented some nasty weather a couple days uh one day we couldn't even get out it was blowing 50 miles an hour and the wind the rain was coming sideways and then we got caught in a thunderstorm on the way back the access one day and a bolt of lightning cab i'm telling you it hit about 50 yards in front of me right down onto the water scared the bejeebers out of me but (laughs) at that point there's nothing you can do i mean we tried to get back before the storm hit we didn't 
quite make it in time, but thank the good Lord we got back safely. But, uh, yeah, so it's always fun to get out there, get, you know, kind of get the rust off, get the boat, you know, check that out, see if you need to do anything. And, and now I'm ready for the Minnesota fishing opener. I mean, we, we are really kind of snobby over here about our, <laughs> our elite fishing, but the way you talk about South Dakota, boy, there's some good walleye fishing over there. Yeah, that Missouri River system and the two reservoirs that I've fished are, like I said, Lake Francis Case, and then to the north of that, Lake Sharp. It's unbelievable. I mean, it, the the walleye fishing out there is off the gosh dang charts. Mm. And then smallmouth bass fishing too. And then you know, you you might catch a few catfish while you're out there. And I know when Brady and I were out there, he caught a big old carp and a, and a big drum along with you know the, a, a bunch of walleyes. But it it really is. It's it the fishery out there is unbelievable and. But, uh, hey, we got a pretty darn good fishery here in northern Minnesota, too. <laughs> we do indeed. And, you know, Brady was showing me um, a lot of the pictures. And, boy, the sizes you guys were hauling in. Yeah. it's uh, And we put anything, you know, that was 20 inches and over back. And but um, and out there, you can keep four, but they have to be at least 15 inches. You can have one over 20. But, you know, I don't ever keep anything over 20. But, yeah, the good-sized fish. They're fat, they, and they still hadn't spawned out yet. The, mm-hmm. the males were still, you know, doing their thing like crazy. You bring them in the boat, and you're wiping things off the floor and everything. So, uh, And the water temperature, you know, it's a big reservoir. Lake Francis Case is 120 miles long, so it takes a long time, and it's deep for that reservoir to warm up. So the water temperatures were like 46, 47 degrees, and they've had open water there since the 1st of March now. So... But, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. What were you guys using? Jig, you know, yeah. <laughs> Kelp. Did well, you have to ask? <laughs> just wanted to get it on the record. <laughs> no. um, yeah, jigs and minnows. Uh, a lot of people um, this time of the year out there will fish jigs and minnows. But there's a few start- transition. They love pulling bottom bouncers out there. And you can fish two rods out there. So, like, I was running the boat, so I could only fish one. But Brady had two rods going and stuff, with both with jigs. and. But uh, once that jig bite, I mean, you can catch them out there all year long on jigs, but people love to troll out there. And so they'll just put their rod holders out and troll bottom bouncers. Now, I did see a number of people out trolling crankbaits, you know, going for a boat ride, having the rod holders out, and they were catching fish too. So, uh, yeah, you can, that this time of the year out there, you can pretty much catch them any way you want to. Okay. Well, you know, that's kind of how it is in Minnesota yeah. once we get going, too. And, and, Dick, it's so funny because um, we, we're a lot like a uh, Minnesota sports fan when, when it comes to getting ready for the fishing opener. I mean, everybody, myself included, <laughs> really down about a week and a half to yeah. two weeks ago, just thinking, there's no way it's going to be open. It's I not going to happen. And now, a couple of, couple of sunny days, and all of a sudden we feel like we're on a winning streak. And we're going, I think it's going to be open. I know. I, I tell you, Kev, I, I, the last couple of days I – get my coffee and go out and do a little driving around. And, um, you know, Lake Bemidji is a little deceiving because here in town, we're on the south end of the lake. The river comes in through here. And with that current, and the, the, the river's way up. Mm-hmm. And there's a good current coming through there. And you think, oh, look at all this open water. But over on the east side, over by Sanford, and then basically from Diamond Point North, it's locked up pretty good. I mean, there's it's starting to pull out a little bit from shore. But there's still a lot of ice out there. But it is getting darker. Now, I was over by Andrusia couple days ago i was back there this morning and uh, that's pulled away from shore a little bit but otherwise it's still buttoned up big lake is all buttoned up yet um but the late the water or the ice is starting to get darker looking and it's supposed to be warm through the weekend we got some wind coming in on saturday so that'll help 
and then maybe some rain Sunday, Monday, and maybe even into Tuesday. So that should help. So I think most of the lakes will be open uh, by sometime midweek next week. Um, and, and it's possible there could still be a little bit of ice on Bemidji come opening. It's just a gosh dang good thing that opening weekend isn't this weekend. Like <laughs> a lot of times it is on yeah. Mother's Day weekend because then there'd be a lot of lakes, especially the big ones that, you know, you're not getting on them. So it'll be close. I don't know if you saw it on Facebook. They had a, a picture of, uh, you know, sky pictures, uh, satellite pictures yeah. of different lakes, and they had Mille Lacs. A couple days ago, open now. Right. And then all the ones north, Rainy, Lake of the Woods, uh, Red Lake. Um, I'm not sure if Leach was on there, but they're all, all iced over. I know it. Yeah. I, it has been such, well, I don't have to say this, but, you know, it's been a long winter for everybody. Yep. And, um, you know, when you had your contest back in February here at the radio station, you had to have your, you know, pick in by the end of February. Well, I picked today, yeah. May, May 6th. <laughs> and I remember a few people said, oh, you're crazy. That's You're going to be way late on that. Well, now I wish I would have picked like May 10th or 12th or something, you know. So, I, I was looking at the ones for today. I said, oh, Dick's not going to win. Nope. Darn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, next year I'll give her a shot. Well, I guess as we get ready for the opener, it's, it is, it's a jig and minnow bite. It is by, you know, I would guess 90% of the people yeah. who will go out and fish walleyes on opening weekend are going to start at least with a jig and right. minnow. Yep. Yeah, jig and minnow. It, it's hard to beat a jig and minnow opening weekend. And, and, and in my opinion, especially, you can have a good jig bite right through the end of June, you know, if you like jig fishing like I do. And But live bait rigs are awful good, too, you know, and especially if that presentation, need a little slower presentation and um, get that, you know, that live bait swimming around right in front of them. That can work really good, too. It's going to be interesting, though, that with the ice not going out till late, a lot of those fish obviously haven't even thought about spawning yet maybe they might be starting to move up into lake irving now because that's pretty much opened up yep and with the river there there's a little ice on the very south end but for all in all it's pretty much you know uh opened up and that that where the river comes out of lake irving and then you got the small river part into lake bemidji that's that's always a good opening weekend spot and i know there's guys that come up from the cities that all they do is fish the river between irving and uh, Lake Bemidji from shore, and they pound them in there. So that's a good spot. But will they be up in there at that point? You know, right. I mean, so here's the deal. You're going to find some fish shallow, but you could still find some fish out in that little deeper water, that, you know, 12, 16-foot range out there. In fact, out in South Dakota, we were catching most of our fish in 18 to 20 feet. And like I said, the males hadn't done their thing yet or anything like that, gone into shallow water. So um, that's the thing. You don't want to get hung up with, oh, opening weekend, uh, shallow water bite. It, it could be. But, you know, if you're not getting anything up shallow, you know, don't be afraid to start working deeper. So that's what I'll do. You know, with uh, I've got a, a guide clan I'll be taking out on opening day. And we'll start shallow, check it out, and then just work deeper until we hopefully contact some fish. There's a lot of guys that uh, love to go out uh, prior to the walleye opener, do some crappie, do some pan fishing, do some bluegill fishing. Um, haven't had a chance to do no. that. So, you know, if the walleyes are slow, uh, maybe you go for panfish this opener because you haven't had a chance yet. Yeah, exactly, Kev. And, you know, and the, some of the smaller lakes that I've been checking out the last couple of days that are good panfish lakes, they're still buckled in pretty darn good with ice. So, it, you know, let's say the ice goes out by next Wednesday. There's a good chance that those fish had, will not have moved up into those, you know, those shallow bays like we like to fish, the muddy bottoms. Um, they're, they're probably moving towards there. So if they're not up in those shallow, muddy-type bays, uh, just 
a lot of times you get out to where that water starts to drop off a little bit deeper, and they'll be staging out there just waiting kind of for that water to warm up. You know, they're not moving in there to spawn yet. They're moving in there to feed in that warmer water. Um, so, But a lot of times on opening weekend, if the walleye bite's tough, a lot of times the crappies are going really good. And so I guess we'll see what happens. It's going to be a weird opener just because of this late ice out around here. I think it's going to be very interesting uh, if you, you know, you take a bigger picture look and you think about the fact that there wasn't a ton of ice fishing pressure this right. year. Way, way less than usual on even, uh, even the big lakes yes. because of uh, just the way the weather was. Right. So there's a lot of fish in the water that typically aren't. Exactly. And, and you're exactly right, Kev. And that always bodes good usually for the following open water season. And plus... You know, they haven't seen any baits mm-hmm. since the season closed the end of February. And even then, they weren't seeing many just because of the conditions. So, I, you know, I, it's gonna, I think it's going to be a good um, opener. But especially by, like, Memorial Weekend, that could, be, that could be lights out. I mean, honest to gosh, by then, those fish will be done spawning. They've recuperated. They, they're hungry. And the bite could really be good. So, uh, yeah, it's an exciting time. It, it really is. Uh, now, I know that uh, you love bass fishing. Oh, absolutely. And the last several years now, we've had an open or a, a, a catch and release right. bass opener at the same day as the walleye opener. Do you ever do that uh, that early in the season, you or know, do you wait? I, I tend to wait. You know, I, I'm one that if I do fish for bass, I won't fish for them on the beds, you know, mm-hmm. where you say fish them you can see them laying on the beds i just don't like pulling them off their beds and you know they do it all over the country except about here they say oh it doesn't bother them well i like to leave them alone and so then once you know usually about after memorial weekend then i I start kind of targeting them more but i've got a a couple guy clients that like to go out um after the opening of the season and it's only catch and release which we pretty much do anyhow on bass Mm -hmm. and they like to go out and and fish bass and um, so I'll take them out, and it's fun. You, you know, the smallmouth bass are up shallow, and the, uh, the largemouth bass are, you know, again, they're up shallow too. So it's it's kind of fun pickings, and uh, it's it's fun. Bat, you know, we've talked about this a lot. That's that's one of the species that has grown leaps and bounds here, especially here in northern Minnesota. And I was just telling a guy client that called the other day, I said, you know, what kind of fish can we fish for? He said, well, I fish whatever you want. But I said, if you want to have a lot of fun and good numbers and nice fish and some potentials for big ones, I mean, the bass fish around here is crazy good. It really is. It it, it, it truly is. And But I think it's fun, you know, to, to just put that off in the distance yes. as something to look forward to. You know, now we're looking forward to all Right. And then we get two weeks later, we get to look forward to, you know, bass. Right. Exactly. And that's how it used to be. Right. Um, and I, you know, but there was a lot of pressure from groups that said, you know, gosh, why can't we just catch and release? And, and I would, even before that came about, I would see people out there pitching spinner baits and, you know, if the game warden stopped, oh, I'm just, you know, fishing for northern pike, you know. People are fishing for them anyhow, and, and now they can do it legally. And, and you know, the, the the deal is you want to get those fish. If you get them in the boat, snap a quick picture and, and, and gently release them. You know, don't just, you know, fling them out from the side of your boat. Just right. really put them right down over the side of your gunwale and just let them gently go and because, you know, they're vulnerable at that point, especially if they're, if they're females and they're, you know, spawning and whatnot. Much more to come with Dick Beardsley later on in the show, including a Fast Five. 
But up next, we're going to put the spotlight on the Park Rapids Heartland Lakes area fishing scene and meet the new Park Rapids area supervisor, Wade Mosher. It's coming up next on Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. If you're ready to write the next chapter of your life and love the outdoors, Northwest Technical College might be the perfect fit. Northwest Technical College in Bemidji has state-of-the-art technical education and six career paths in the heart of the Northwoods. Automotive, building trades, business, health, child care, and manufacturing technology. We're surrounded by more than 400 lakes and acres and acres of forests. You can be fishing, you can be hunting, and you can be plotting the course of your life all at the same place. The shortest path to your dream job begins at Northwest Technical College, Bemidji's Technical College. Learn more today. Visit ntcmn.edu. The countdown to the opener continues, and now we're putting the spotlight on the Heartland Lakes Park Rapids fishing scene. And we're also meeting the brand new area fishery supervisor out of the Park Rapids office. His name is Wade Mashur. Wade, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me on, Kevin. I appreciate it. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, Where are you from, and how did you get into this business? All right, so a little bit about myself. I was born and raised in the state of Iowa, so just south of here. Um, I was just outside of Des Moines in a tiny little town. And from there, growing up, I always knew that I wanted to do something outdoors just because I grew up in the outdoors as a kid, whether it be out in the woods playing around or down in a creek or a river, splashing around the water, trying to catch as many fish as I possibly could. So, I mean, with that, I knew that I wanted to be in the outdoors field. So, um got into college i started off you know didn't know exactly where i wanted to go with it so i got an associate of applied sciences degree in natural resources management so a two-year degree at a community college in iowa and from there um i really really had a passion for fisheries so i moved on to iowa state university and from there i got my four-year bachelor degree in fisheries specifically and i mean just with that I I never, I wasn't huge into school, so <laughs> I wanted to just get out and get as much experience as possible and just see all the places. I mean, I was never one for sticking around in one spot, so from there, I just, I moved around. I worked jobs in Colorado, uh, Washington State, Arizona, just all over, getting as much experience as possible, and uh, after working in Arizona as a private consultant uh, for a consulting company there um i'm just talking with a bunch of my old bosses uh that i really want to get up and either be with the state agency or fed program and they relayed to me that you know in order to get there i really needed my master's degree so luckily i got on and uh went to texas tech university got my master's degree in fisheries and from there i moved to kentucky once i finished and i was the statewide stream fisheries biologist there for about five and a half years and so just looking at all the sport fish, uh, managing populations there on all the streams statewide, and then also helping with um, Ohio catfish. Uh, so on the Ohio River, we were dealing with uh, channel catfish, blue catfish, and flathead catfish. So it was it was a great job, met a ton of great people. But then after that, uh, my wife, Jessica, who is actually in the same field as I am, she is a fisheries biologist as well, um, we just wanted to get a little bit closer to home, wanted to get closer to family. Uh, we were ready to get back up into the Northwoods region. So 
we looked around and we both got jobs here in Minnesota. And luckily I was fortunate enough to get the Park Rapids Area Fisheries Supervisor position. And she got a job down in Brainerd as a fisheries IBI biologist. And so, I mean, it's been oh. perfect and we've absolutely loved it. Couldn't be happier. Um, the people of Minnesota are just absolutely amazing. Um, everyone's so friendly and willing to help out with anything. So it's just been a phenomenal experience so far, and it's the place for us, and we look forward to making a great life here. Great, great. Well, uh, it's interesting, uh, you know, you just kind of rattle off all these different places you've been, all these different uh, <laughs> things you've done. So you've seen a lot of different fisheries with a lot of different uh, species, um, and so you, you definitely bring... Uh, uh, a kind of a wider perspective of the table than a, than somebody who say uh, you know spent their whole life in Minnesota. Oh, definitely. I mean, I've got to work with everything. Uh, with being in Southeast Colorado, seeing a lot of the kind of desert plains fishes that are out there, to moving up into Washington, dealing with a lot of salmon, trout, and specifically uh, native lamprey species. Um, so dealing with a lot of that, and then from there, I went to the exact opposite, moved down to Arizona. And in Arizona, that was I. That was a pretty fun job. I got to work with a lot of threatened and endangered uh, non-game species, su- such as suckers and that kind of stuff. But also working with uh, some of the like you know Lake Havasu, Lake Mojave, smallmouth bo- bass populations. Which boy, they get some lunkers down there <laughs> uh, for bass wise. It was pretty impressive. And then after that, um, moving to Texas and getting down into the Plains country and doing my master's down there it's just been it's been a wealth of knowledge and seeing all the different fish species that are out there getting um getting to know the different methods on collecting these fish species it's been great one of the things when i discuss uh, this area with people who have been in other spots uh they tell i always say you don't know how good you have it here where you can you know uh, throw a rock and find a new lake i mean uh, I'm sure this is a fairly unusual, this ability to just find, like, you know, basically fish a different lake 365 days a year if you wanted to. Oh, my gosh. It's uh, it's been mind-blowing, to say the least. I mean, um, we came from Kentucky, and from there it was, I mean, you're going to spend an hour plus trying to find, you know, a, a decent-sized lake to go around and fish. And then, I mean, even with that, um Fishing has absolutely exploded in Kentucky, so any lake that you were going to get on, you were getting people from, you know, Louisville, Lexington, up in Cincinnati, and you were getting a lot of boat traffic. So, I mean, it was fighting and jockeying for those good spots to go try and fish, whereas we just moved here and coming up to the park regions, man, I tell you what, you just just driving here, seeing every turn, every... (laughs) other bend that you see there's a different lake and they go on for miles and it's just it's awesome seeing that amount of water and the different bodies and all the different species that you you know you can fish one lake for one species and go to a different lake and fish for another and like you said you can fish a different lake every day of the year so um how long have you been in the park rapids area now so i actually just started this position february 2nd of this year so i'm brand new and learning all the tricks of the trade up here i've got a great group of guys that i work with here who are just a wealth of knowledge and couldn't be happier to be working for them it's it's phenomenal 
Well, I was going to say, there's a lot to learn. I mean, when you when you take over an area office in Minnesota, there's just a, <laughs> such a vo- huge volume of lakes and waters to, to find out about. It was. It was, you know, showing up here the first day and walking in the door and looking at the map on the wall. And, you know, typically I'm not used to seeing the amount of blue water on there. <laughs> and I looked and it was just blue water everywhere and all the different lake names it's like whoo boy i've got my work cut out for me learning everything around here well you you know you picked the wrong time of year to start because you can't really discover a whole lot about the lakes yet (laughs) you can discover you can walk on top of them and take a look around (laughs) yep exactly but um you know it's been awesome i i hadn't done a whole lot of fishing just because i was busy with my job in kentucky and you know, the past couple of years, I haven't been able to get out and do a whole lot of fishing. And right when I got here, I was able to get out and do some ice fishing right away. And I'll tell you what, I was just blown away. Like, I forgot how much I love perch fishing and getting out and fishing for perch, seeing those jumbos that are out there. You know, it's just been great. Well, I, I mean, I, I know that uh, in Iowa it does freeze, and so you probably have done some ice fishing in the past, but probably oh, yeah. considering where the places you work, not, not a whole lot in your working career. No, not a whole lot. So, you know, growing up in Iowa, that was something we did quite a bit. Um, but then once I moved away, it was few and far in between it, but about the only times that I was able to get out on the ice was when I would come back home for Christmas. And, you know, even then in Iowa, it depended on the Christmas just with the you know, weather changing, they could either have ice or they wouldn't. And, you know, the few times that I was able to get out, we, you know, we'd get out on some crappies, out on some uh, old uh, uh, mining lakes. And, but, you know, this is just a totally different world. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's so cool is, is in the Park Rapids area in particular, we have different areas where we've got that lake. You know, you've got Lake of the Woods. You've got Red Lake. You've got Winnie. You've got Leech. You've got Mille Lacs. That lake. Um, yep. Park Rapids doesn't have that lake, but they've got a lot of right below that lake as far as, you know, uh, um, size goes and, and knowledge. But, you know, yep. the, each and all of them are so good. See, and I'd like to say that the Park Rapids area doesn't have that lake, like a leech or like a lake of the woods or red lake. Instead, the Park Rapids area has those lakes. Yeah. We've got yeah. we've got a bunch of other lakes that, you know, aren't quite the size of those, but they're, you know, pushing pretty big size, you know, a couple thousand acres, and but they're, the fishing is just phenomenal. Because, I mean, a lot of people, when they come up to Minnesota, that's what they want to go for, that destination, big lake to go to. And so they'll pass up areas like Park Rapids, which, you know, that's they're missing out because we've got a phenomenal fisheries here. And it's, you know, it's something people need to look into more. Well, I think what what makes this uh, that the the Park Rapids area and, and a number of areas too, but the Park Rapids area is so much fun is, you know, let's say you want to go out on Fish Hook. Um, you yep. can tool up and down the river, and you can also go and try a few other lakes while you're there, you know, once you, you, you drop in. And you've got so many on that chain, plus you've got the whole crowing chain. And then you've yep. got, you know, uh, hidden away there, uh, one of the one of the best uh, growing musky waters in the state in, in, in uh, Mantrap. There's, just, there's so, just so many things to do. There is. I mean, like you said, there's all those connected waters with those chains of lakes. I mean, it's awesome that you can show up 
in the morning, put in at one access, and, you know, go around fishing that morning, and then, you know, by the afternoon, you'd go up, do an inlet, and get into another lake and fish for something else. Well, um, as we as we take a look at the, the, the picture of the Park Rapids area, uh, by and large, very healthy lakes, by and large, lots of fish to catch. Any concerns right now? As of now, not really any concerns. I mean, Park Rapids is in a pretty good position. Um, our lakes are healthy. They're doing great. Um, we're trying to keep up with them the best that we can, you know, watching fishing pressure where, you know, on lakes that are getting hit pretty hard and trying to keep a good uh, good eye on what those populations of fish are doing in there to make sure that, you know, they're still up to snuff for people to come out and catch what they want to catch and catch them in good numbers. When you took this job, I, I mean, there had to have been a lot of reading, right? And then when you got here, a lot of questions. <laughs> yes, to say the least. <laughs> I mean, I've got filing cabinets, bump filing cabinets, a reading that I could take for, I mean, the hundreds of lakes that are in this region. It's just, it's it's mind-blowing. So what is an area fisheries supervisor role on a day-to-day basis? On a day-to-day basis, so we're looking out for anything that's going on. You know, we've got our assistant supervisor, our fish specs um, here in Park Rapids. We have our own little hatchery, so it's making sure that the oil is kept up in the machine i mean everything keeps going we're keeping track of employees you know what they're doing uh where they're going what the sampling schedule is uh it's just every day-to-day business to make sure that you know the fisheries are still going and people are happy one of the things uh that uh, i'm sure your your guys have told you and and that has impressed me over the years is the very proactive uh, um, battle against AIS, not just by people who are paid to to care about these things, but the community. Uh, the lake associations and on many lakes have been very aggressive in, in fighting this and educating, in keeping an eye out, and by and large, it has paid off. You guys have been... Uh, have been uh, doing really well in, in the AR, AIS realm, and that's uh, that's good to see. Oh, I'll 100% agree with that. I mean, coming from, you know, different parts of the U.S. and seeing, you know, lakes that, you know, a majority of the lakes in a state are infested with AIS, and uh, they just don't have what we have here in Minnesota. I mean, it really honestly impressed me the amount of, public knowledge on AIS and like lake associations being so proactive in trying to keep this out of their lakes because they enjoy their lakes. They like to get out and fish. That's not something that they want to worry about. So, you know, the public is very knowledgeable on this as it is. And I mean, we also get people that come in and have questions. I mean, that's what our office is here for. We're open to the public. Um, People can stop in and ask questions if they have any questions on AIS. We can point them in the right direction. We can give them any, you know, any reading material that we have to help, you know, further their knowledge on those species that, you know, we would like to try and keep out of our lakes. All right. So um, I imagine you're probably excited for the ice to melt. You're excited oh to get in a boat and, <laughs> and discover these waters in a, in a warmer environment. I tell you what, moving <laughs> up here, you know, the end of January and Starting my first couple of weeks, I was driving up here, and it was the uh, you know negative forty in the truck, and so I was like, "Oh boy, ready for the uh, ready for the ice to melt and get out on the water." <laughs> and did you and your wife say, 
What are we doing? Why are we here? <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I'll tell you what. I will take snow and cold weather any day of the week uh, compared to just downpouring rain and muggy, muggy hot weather. All right. Well, you did move in the right right area there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so when you're, when you're fishing, what do you like to fish for? When I'm fishing, boy, I mean, I'm one of those guys, I do like perch fishing. Perch fishing is just phenomenal. They're one of those fish to me that just the colors on them, they just, oh, I love it. I mean, you get such a bright, beautifully colored fish. It's just awesome to see them every time they come up out of the water. Mm -hmm. Um, I also like to do my fair share of walleye fishing when I can get out and do it. Um, other than that, I mean, I'm a big, I like to get out and do a lot of panfish, crappie and bluegill, man. Those are the things I like to put on the dinner table for the family. I think you'll like it here. <laughs> yep. I think so too. From talks with everyone else that I ended up in the right place. So, um, they'll probably have to take you out musky fishing at least once. Oh yeah. At least once, if not several more times. And, and with ice fishing, you know, available here, have you got an eel pout yet? I have not. That is one thing that's on the old bucket list that I got to get. That well, it's it's getting to be very popular. You know, it's just been classified a game fish, so uh, I think yep. that 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 should be doable. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> hey, wait. Is there anything else you want to share with us before we wrap it up? No, I think that's good. All right, he's Wade Mashur. He is the new area fishery supervisor out of the Park Rapids office, about to embark on his first summer in Minnesota. And uh, and I think you uh, I think you will find this from an angling perspective a pretty cool place to be. Oh, I'm excited for it and getting out there and talking with the public and hearing everything about it. Hey, Wade, thanks for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Kevin. It was great talking with you. Up next, a lot more stuff to cover with Dick Beardsley, including a fast five to wrap it up. You're listening to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley, Bemidji Area Fishing Guide. I'd like to invite you to come to our beautiful town of Bemidji. We've got over 400 lakes in our area teeming with walleye, pike, muskie, bass, and panfish. We're the gateway to the Chippewa National Forest. We've got miles upon miles of biking and hiking trails. Paul Bunyan and Bathe the Blue Ox. Fine shops and eateries in downtown Bemidji. Headwaters of the mighty Mississippi at Itasca State Park. Beautiful resorts, hotels, and bed and breakfasts. Visit Bemidji one step further. Less than a week to go before the Minnesota opener, and we are checking in with Dick Beardsley of Dick Beardsley Guide Service. I think the thing that's amazed me about fishing in, in Minnesota the last few years is just as social media continues to explode and uh, the guides get more savvy in the marketing and YouTube videos and things like that, uh, more and more, all of a sudden, you know, uh, a few videos and eel pucks, one of the most popular fish to go after. And now tulipy. We're hearing a lot right. of people going after tulipy. Um, these all these species that we just didn't even think about. I know are just like the hot things going right now. I know, now. and I've been an avid tulipy fisherman in the in late winter because they are fun to catch and they're great smoked and stuff. And but especially with the eel pout, that's just that's become a whole new species to go after, and now it's become a actual game fish. Yep. Although there's they're not sure what they're going to do with the limits and things like that. But um, yeah, social media, you know. You know me, Kev. I'm old school, and I mean it's good and bad. I mean it's it's nice. You can check in with people, let them know how you're doing. But boy, it can there's you can't there's no spot secret anymore. 
No. There really isn't. No. And now with 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 everybody's got a cell phone, they all got cameras on them. You know, you might be on a spot by yourself, but so Bolt comes over to check things out, see what you're doing, takes a picture so they can get a picture of the surroundings so they know how to come back to that spot. There really isn't any more secret spots out there. So that's why I think, again, we, that selective harvesting, and I know biologically they say, you know, dropping the walleye limit, like saying on most lakes like it is on Bemidji, of six fish really isn't going to do much. Um, you got you have to drop it to two to make it a biological difference, yeah. which that's not ever going to no. happen. No, but um, you know it's it's these smaller lakes that you get a hot bike going, and Joe calls Tom, Tom calls Bill, and pretty soon there's 15 guys just crushing these fish. Mm-hmm. And um, so sometimes I kind of wish it was back like it used to be, <laughs> although. Yet I still got all the fancy electronics and all that kind of stuff. In my, although I, I refuse to get a panoptics kind of a deal. Okay. I, I, that's just me. Mm-hmm. I, nothing against the people that use them, but um, it's getting to the point. Oh, now you're getting me on my soapbox. Right <laughs> it's getting to the point. You know, part of, part of the fun for me is the challenge of trying to figure these fish out. And I was just talking to some guys last night from the high school. I was doing a podcast with them, a couple of teachers, and we were talking fishing. And, you know, it used to be when, um, you know, my first fish finder was a, a 15-foot bamboo pole that we had in the boat. My dad would slow down. We'd get towards a rock pile like on a Lake Bemidji. Okay, D, I'm slowing down. We're getting close to that rock pile. And I start sticking that big old bamboo pole down the, into the water, and there'd be nothing. All of a sudden, boom, I could feel it hit the, the rocks. And then that pole would get lo- longer and longer, you know. You knew you were on top of it. And then, you know, that was our first thing. And now... Then I got the little Lawrence green box when I was 12 years old in 1968. It was a flasher, kind of like what a Vexler is today. And that was really something. But but now, I mean, and then before when you didn't have all that fancy stuff, Kev, you get onto a spot, you, you know, fish a little bit. And if you didn't catch many or none at all, you think, well, I guess they're not here today. But now you got down scan, side scan. The frustrating part is you get back to these spots now. You you see the fish off on your side scan, but you can't get them to go. That's that's what's like. Oh, what am I doing wrong? You know. So it's all good, and we just got to be careful. And but the one thing I was telling the guys from the school last night is, people are a lot more concerned now about how many fish they keep for the most part. You know, it used to be when I was a kid, you catch a fish, didn't matter what it was, it went on a stringer, you took it home and you ate it. And now, you know, so many people catch and they photo release if they're bigger fish or they they want enough for a meal or maybe mm-hmm. two meals they don't you know they don't need to come in with a limit of walleyes every time they go out and so i'm seeing some really good things from from that aspect of it too so that's all good you know um and i've talked to a number of people i think probably you about this as well i mean fishing is something that is in the human dna i mean it's like yeah. one of the first things people did right uh, they talk about the world's oldest profession it might have actually been fishing yeah, exactly <laughs> but um, but it was it was a survival thing, right? For for most of humanity's exactly. history, it was a survival thing. Now, um, for most people, it's a it's it's a fun thing, right? We want to eat it because we like it, yeah. but it's it's not required for us to survive. No, it's not required, and it's 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 a recreational thing. It's fun to do, and you know when it comes right down to it, you know, for most people, if they're looking for you know, a walleye flays to eat. Mm-hmm. Cost-wise, you're probably 
better off just going to the local grocery store and buying some place and go out and spend all that money on tackling guys and dates and stuff like that. But that's not, you know. That's not what it's about. No, that's not what it, that's not what it's about at all. And, and there's something about, you know, whether you're a, uh, you know, a person that's fished all their lives or one just getting into the sport. It's the excitement of catching them and then, and then taking a few home and, and, you know, eating what you were able to get yep. out there and find and, and, and put on the table. Yep. I did this. I yeah, got this. exactly. They taste yeah. a little bit better. Than yeah, you. yeah. <laughs> hey, another uh, fish that, of course, is very popular now and has been for the last 10 years and really, uh, uh, you know, gotten people like, go up north uh, quite a bit is sturgeon. Right. Uh, do you do a lot of sturgeon fishing? No. You know, I've, I, a number of years ago, I, I caught a couple walleye fishing on the Rainy River the small ones, but I've I've never actually gone and just fished for them. I would love to do it sometime, you know, because um, boy, they, you can get some big ones. And but now, you know, there's starting to be some sturgeon in some of the area lakes. I know they, I know the Detroit Lakes area, along with the White Earth uh, Indian Reservation, those folks work together and they've put sturgeon back into where they actually once were yep. at one time, and they're really starting to thrive. I know, like on. On uh, Big Detroit Lake, I mean, they're catching some fifty-plus inches out there now Great. and stuff. So that's kind of exciting, and I'd love to tie into like a six, seven footer. You know, that w- I can't even imagine. Oh, I know, I you know. know. But yeah, Lake of the Woods, ACP. You know, it seems like to, at sometimes as many sturgeon anglers as why. Right. Oh, it's, so. again, it's it's one of those species, Kev, that was always there. But now, because of the social media and people talking about it, and and now there's they come out with special equipment for sturgeon fishing you know if you want to buy that kind of thing and um it, it uh yeah i'm going to definitely do it one of these times i'm just going to take a day and just i'm going sturgeon fishing okay well let's think positive yes ice is off the water we're going fishing for the opener in a quick nutshell what do we bring and where do we fish yeah so uh jigs and minnows um, hopefully the ice will be out on some of these lakes where the shiners, the trappers are out there trapping shiners. So we'll have some spot tail shiners. That that is a go to minnow for as long as you can get them. And hopefully we'll have them by opener. If not, you know a good large size silver fathead minnow works real good. And I like using like like Northland makes a jig called the RZ jig. It's a long shank jig. So if you can't get those larger spot tails, but you can get you know two and a half, three inch fat head, that longer shank, I find, and you hook it through the head, makes that minnow with the jig head look a little bit bigger. Um, so that kind of kind of helps a little bit. But so yeah, jigs and jigs and minnows, but you know, in my boat, I'll have I'll have some night crawlers in there, just in case. I'll have some leeches if we can get them just in case. But ninety nine percent of the fish are going to be coming uh excuse me coming off of some kind of a minnow bait whether it be on a live bait rig or on a on a jig and um again i'd start shallow if you're not getting you know things up shallow just keep working your way deeper until you connect with some fish and then if you connect let's say you connect in 12 foot of water don't forget that because if you caught them in 12 feet like say on lake bemidji and that spot quits Start targeting 12-foot areas, you know, the 12-foot breaks or the merging weed lines because there'll, there'll be a little cabbage starting to come up already. And um, if they're in 12 feet in one area, they're probably going to be 12 feet in another area too. So don't forget that. Okay. All right. Well, before we wrap it up, we got to do a fast five. Okay. This is my like heart's pitter-pat. Yeah. <laughs> 
For those who are not familiar with the Fast Five, we just pick out five random questions, and i got to answer them quickly. You kind of learn a little bit about your favorite guide. And not all fishing questions, some fishing questions. Fast Five. Did I stutter? And our first one, Dick, not just for now, we're, we're at this advanced age in life. Yes. Looking at your entire life, fishing or running? Fishing. Oh, okay. Why? It's something that, you know, I, I still run, but I'm slower molasses in January. <laughs> and, you know, I've got a couple artificial knees and, you know, who knows how long they're going to keep working. I can be able to get there and run. But even if I can't get and walk, walk anymore even, I can still sit in a boat and fish. Favorite subject in school? Geography. Will the ice be off by the opener? Yes. Now, this is, we're looking at famous movie, movie stars or oh. musician, high school crush. High school crush. It would have to be Susan so- Summers. Is that what it Suzanne Summers. Suzanne Summers, American Graffiti. She was in American Graffiti. She had a short little spot, but oh my, when I saw her and I saw that movie five nights in a row, <laughs> I fell in love. Okay. <laughs> and final question. Coffee, black, or do you need additives? Need additives. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dick Beardsley, if somebody wants to uh, go fishing with you and ask you five questions, uh, how do they get hold of you and get something set up? You bet. You can give me a call at 218-556-7172, and I, I am really getting booked up, but I've got uh, Brady Loudon under my wing. He's going to join into my guide service now, and, and if I can't get you out, hopefully Brady can get you out. He's a great angler, fun to be in the boat with. And you go to my website at dickbeardsleyfishingguide.com. Dick, as always, thanks for being here. Hey, always a pleasure, Kev. Good luck on the opener, everybody, and be safe. We're just getting started with another really busy week as the countdown continues to the opener. Tomorrow, Eric Osberg on Otter Tail Country Lakes. Tony Kennedy gives us a Red Lake update later on in the week. Mark Bacigalupi, the area supervisor out of the Brainerd office, talks all about the Brainerd Lake scene. And, of course, we're going to be at the Governor's Fishing Opener as well. That's it for today. I'm Kev Jackson. Thank you for being here.